This is Digital Story Podcast number 922, November 21st, 2023. Today's theme is Bad News Backup. I'm Derek Story. The task was simple. All I had to do was gather a few images from 2005 that were stored on one of my twin Drobo drives. No, it's not what you think. The Drobos were fine, but unbeknownst to me, the images on them were trapped. And what I thought was the key to unlock them no longer worked. On today's TDS Photography Podcast, I tell the story of the bad news backup. I hope you enjoy the show. Quietly humming on my desk right now is a white plastic 2009 MacBook laptop running macOS 10 El Capitan. It's connected to a 2012 Drobo 5D hard drive array with a flickering activity light. They are working together on a very important project. No, I'm not a time traveler, nor am I so nostalgic that I would nurse along decades-old hardware. I'm on a mission. I'm determined to retrieve images from my life 20 years ago. To help me, I've enlisted the help of a few unlikely characters, a band of aging old has-beens. Apple has long stopped supporting plastic MacBooks. Drobo isn't even a company anymore. And the captor of my images, Aperture, was jettisoned in 2015. I had never worried much about the safety of those memories because Apple had promised an escape key. Photos for Mac OS, Aperture's replacement. If I wanted to peer into an Aperture library, all I had to do was connect the Drobo to a current computer and open the catalog with the Photos app. That was the deal. Or was it? So that's where I left off. <laughs> Uh, about a week ago, I think. It was about a week ago. And uh, obviously, I hadn't had to peer into those Aperture libraries for some time. Last time that I had to do that, the Photos trick worked. And also, I could use uh, Peak2, which I'm going to talk about a fair amount in this podcast because it becomes a major player uh, in this rescue mission. But I could use Peak2 to look into those Aperture libraries or use the photo apps. That's where I left off. So now, apparently, a lot of time has marched <laughs> since I last had to do this. On my current Mac right now, I'm running Mac OS Sonoma. And uh, it's a lovely operating system. I really like it. But Sonoma does not support this photos app opening aperture libraries and i honestly didn't know that so when i plugged the drobo in and you know went to the aperture library and right clicked on the aperture library and said you know open with photos i got an error message and the error message read like this this library could not be opened <laughs> and there's a little photos application icon there the library version for Aperture Library is not supported. It can be opened with macOS Monterey version 12 or earlier. So I go, oh, okay. Boy, that was quite a while ago. That's a few 
versions ago, Monterey. So I'm going, all right, what am I going to do? And I tried Peak 2 and Peak 2 didn't work. And I'm beginning to wonder if the files on the Drobo, those Aperture libraries, if they were corrupt, you know, it's like, hmm, is there a problem with the files? So I'm thinking, okay, plan B then would be my freeze it in time approach. And I've talked about this before. And you know, people think I'm a little nutty on freeze it in time, honestly, and uh, that's okay. Sometimes it becomes my emergency plan. In other words, my first plan is to store stuff on the Drobo and then just retrieve it as necessary. Okay, that didn't work. Then plan B uh, would be, okay, I can open it with something else, peak two or something like that, and then that doesn't work. So my freeze it in time approach is this. What I do is I have computers throughout the history of my computing, Mac computing, not all the way back to the very beginning, but I mean, pretty far back. They're running, at least last time I tried them, they're running. And they have the operating system and the software for their time, for their time on there. So for example, I was thinking, all right, if I want to open an Aperture library and all the other methods aren't working, I have a 2009 white plastic MacBook that, you know, maybe that'll work. Uh, it has an older operating system on it. It has Aperture still running on it. It has a working copy of Aperture 3.6. So I pointed that laptop to those Aperture libraries and sure enough, they opened up. They opened up just fine. Everything was great. Now, obviously you're using a 2009 laptop, so things are a little bit slower than we're used to and things like that. But the fact of the matter is those Aperture libraries opened up. So I'm going, okay, sigh of relief here, <laughs> right? Sigh of relief. I can get to those pictures and I have managed Aperture libraries from 2000, the year 2000 to 2015. That is a lot of pictures. Now, Granted, I don't have to go in to those libraries very often, but I was always thinking that I could, right, if I needed to. So once I realize that this is not going to be so easy, it sort of really got me thinking about all these things. Like I talked about in a podcast, I think around last December, about me moving off the Drobos from my active backup, which I've done in switching over to Synology uh, RAID drive, which has been great. So all of my work over the last few years, you know, is on the Synology drive. It's all working fantastic. And usually when I need to get something, I'm only going back into this year or, or last year, or the year before, something like that. Rarely do I have to go back, you know, 10 years or 15 years, something like that. As I was thinking about this, I was going, you know, though, a lot of those pictures are very meaningful to me and I don't want to lose them. And this became especially clear to me when I opened up that first Aperture library and started browsing. I was going, wow, there's a lot of neat shots here. There's a lot of my history here. There's a lot of stuff going on that's important to me. And I don't really care if they're ever important to anyone else after I'm gone, they're important to me right now. And as long as I'm here afterwards, you know, whatever, I don't, I honestly don't care, but right now I kind of do. 
that got me thinking about this whole thing that, wow, I am really kind of teetering on a cliff here with all of this thinking that I had the safety net that no longer works. So, okay, yay. Uh, I can use this white 2009 MacBook with Aperture 3.6 and open those libraries. What am I going to do from there, right? Because who knows how long that will be a practical option. 2009 MacBook, white plastic, right? Drobos, I don't need to say anything more about that. I want to do something to preserve these shots, but I don't want to spend a ton of time on this. I don't have a ton of time. I'm a busy guy running a business. So I'm thinking, you know what? I'm going to do this. And I, I sort of built this plan as I went. I have all these pictures on there, but I don't need all of them to move over to my Synology drive. I only need a sampling of the good ones to move over. Fortunately, all those years when I was using Aperture, I did star rating. Two stars or above was like a, a good photograph. I like this photograph. If it didn't get two stars, then it was like, eh, I don't really need it. So I said, okay, I'm going to take this one Aperture library, this 2005 Aperture library. I'm going to go to all photos, and then I'm going to put the two stars or more filter on it. And what happened is that it went from 10,000 photos in the library to 4,500. And I'm going, that's pretty good. So that's a nice reduction, yet I'm getting a nice sampling of all those different shoots that I did. It was interesting as the libraries became more current, like 2006, 2007, 2008, there were more images in those libraries, but the percentage of two stars was about the same. It's usually running right around 40%, a little bit more. So I said, okay, right away, that's what I can do. I'll just bring over the two stars or more. Now, the second thing is I like having room on my Synology drive. You know, <laughs> I haven't had it that long. I don't really want to fill it up and have to add something else. So I was going, I don't really need for the most part, raw files. The raw files that are in there, I've already edited, right? So they already look good. I've already recovered highlights. I've already opened up shadows. I've already done what I needed to do on those two and three star images. So I'm just gonna bring over JPEGs, full size JPEGs, high resolution, but full size, and save myself all that space. Right, just bring over the, the work's already been done on most of those images and they look good. So I'm just gonna bring over JPEGs. Now the plan's really starting to come together because I can store a ton of JPEGs on my Synology drive. So I'm going, all right, here's what I'm gonna do. So I, I tried out, I set up the first export, two stars or more, convert to JPEG, high quality, put it on the Synology drive in a folder marked Aperture Exports 2005. It took a little while, took a couple hours, because uh, it's not just moving JPEGs over. A lot of those are raw files that have been edited that has to convert to JPEG. And we're talking about older equipment and all that. And then I looked at those shots uh, on the new Synology drive, and they look great. The pictures look great. Now, I had also done this thing in Aperture, where when I loaded in a shoot, I modified the file name with sort of a keyword for that shoot. Like if it was in Las Vegas, then it'd be Las Vegas underscore 008, da, 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 right? That kind of thing. So between the metadata, the XF data, and my file naming, 
I had a lot of information with those shots because remember, they're not coming in as projects and albums anymore. It's just all of 2005 two-star photos in one folder on the Synology drive. They're not sorted anymore. That was a little bit of a hiccup or a barrier or roadblock, except that the latest version of Peak2, and this is, I've talked about this app before. There's two apps that really kind of do the same sort of thing. Peak2, P-E-A-K-T-O, and Mylio, all right? And they're both excellent. So the latest version of Peak2, which is what I use, version 1.9, has added artificial intelligence to help identify components within the photographs, and then it puts them in categories. And so, for instance, all the wedding shots were marked as, you know, in wedding and events. They were put in a category. And then when it could, it would add keywords to those events, like uh, two people, three people, small group, one person, uh, you know, stuff like that, underwater, fish, trees, you know, that kind of stuff. It would add that information too. And so I could point peek to, to this folder, of images that I brought over from Aperture and just let it do its AI thing. And it did a very reasonable job. It's not perfect. We know that AI keywording and categorization is not perfect, but it really does help. So then I sort of looked at what had happened with this one library and I go, this is pretty good. This is pretty good. I mean, considering that I'm not doing much work, right? I just set up the job and then I, go do what I need to do. And then the next morning I come back and I look at it. Uh, that's not bad in terms of effort. So then I had it do all of my libraries from 2000 all the way up to 2014. I still have one more library, 2015 to do. The 2014 library took three days. <laughs> it took three days of that white MacBook, that trooper of a MacBook to export the two stars are more images and there's a whole bunch of shots. There's a lot of raw files that were bigger, right? Cause it was later and that it had to convert and all that. But the images look fantastic. They look fantastic. Now, the one thing that I'll say when I have peak two running to do the categorization, it's running on my Mac mini M2 pro because now I need some horsepower, right? I need some horsepower for that stuff to happen. So the Mac mini, connected to the Synology drive, that is, you know, where I am right now with the archiving. I've moved all those images over, two stars or more, 15 years worth of them, way over 100,000 images. I haven't done a count yet, but I know like one of the libraries was like 40,000 images just by itself. So, I mean, a whole, probably a couple hundred thousand images. Peak2 has done a really good job of organizing them, categorizing them, you know, making them usable. And it's all nice and neat right there on my Synology drive, but it hasn't filled up the drive because they're not raw files, they're JPEGs. And I can use my Mac Mini, the M2 Pro Mac Mini, to do my browsing, to look at the images, do whatever I want. And of course, Peak2 allows me to export out of uh, wherever they are. It allows me to just see them in the finder. It allows me to do basically whatever I want. I can even do some editing because it's connected to a number of the editing apps that I use. And I actually have rescued, knocking on wood, 
all those images off the Drobo drives that were trapped in Aperture, not a perfect solution. And some of you may be scoffing at me by not bringing over raw files. And I have a story for you later in the podcast about that too. You may be scoffing at me for not bringing over the raw files, but I have to tell you in terms of making decisions to balance, you know, all the different variables, I'm really happy with the results. And I'm really happy that I did that freeze it in time with that MacBook. Now, whatever happens to the Drobos, I can live with, right? Because I've gotten the essential material off them that I need. Obviously, I'll back up the Synology drives, but they're not trapped. They're just JPEGs and folders, so I can point anything to them and back them up easily. It was really an interesting exercise. And the bottom line is, the last thing I want to say before I go on to the next story is that as I'm browsing through all these images over that 15 year period, I'm going, I'm really glad I have these shots. There's just, I mean, there's shots of my mom in there, shots of my sister, my family, my boys. There's shots of places that I've gone to that I really enjoyed and that I actually took really good pictures while I was there. There's all these silly cameras and stuff I've been working with over the years, pictures of all that stuff, you know, because anything I had to do for articles, I always photograph. And just going through that, I'm going, I am so glad I have this. I don't, I don't know how often I'll need to go in there and look at it, but I love the thought that I can go look at it now. They're not trapped anymore and I have them. And it's just a, a really good feeling. So the reason why I'm sharing this story with you is because if you have images trapped in an Aperture Managed Library or in a Capture One Pro Managed Library or something like that, stay up on making sure that you can get to those images. And I did an article on medium.com called The Rescue Mission that goes into detail about all this. And I put some of the lessons that I learned at the end of that. I'll put the link to Rescue Mission in the show notes. But one of the things I said is that it's not okay just to have a backup system and think that it's fine. You have to check it every year. You have to make sure that it works every year. And if it doesn't, at least you can do a plan B or plan C to get to it before it's too late. And that was the mistake that I made. I want to make sure that you don't make that mistake. Whatever system you're using to back up, make sure you check it, verify it, don't lose those images. Last week, I introduced the 2024 TDS Photography Workshop season. We had a nice uptick on that. Uh, it went really well. Uh, I can tell that people liked the lineup for 2024 because we have a lot of reservations and things are just looking really terrific. Now, in the physical workshops, we have on average two seats left for all the physical workshops. Uh, on the online workshops, it's a little bit more. We have usually three, four seats left on the online workshop. So there's seats open for everything right now. But I did want to bring it up that if something caught your eye and that you hadn't made a reservation yet, then just know that probably it'll be available, well, through the end of the year, I'm guessing, but probably not much longer than that. So if you're thinking you want to come on one of these or participate online, 
you can procrastinate. Just don't procrastinate too long. I guess that's sort of the, the theme of today's show, right? <laughs> don't, don't let too much time pass without revisiting this. Uh, just to uh, refresh your memory on the workshops that we have for 2024 in February, online workshop, photo critique and building your portfolio. April, we're going to do spring in Sedona, Arizona. June, we're going to do the infrared photography workshop online. August, we're going to do inkjet printing for photographers online. October, we're going to do Durango, Colorado and Mesa Verde National Park. And in November, we're going to do Safari West and the wine country experience, including Sonoma County coastline in there as well. Three for one on that particular workshop. Uh, you can go to thenimblephotographer.com, click on workshops, click on workshops on the digital story, or there's a link in the show notes. I hope to be working with you at one of these events in 2024. They're a lot of fun, and I just love working with the folks in our community. Photographer switches to JPEG and is impeached by local camera club. Oh my gosh, I love this story. This story just cracks me up. You can read this entire story on fstoppers.com. I'm going to give you the bones of it right now. I just find this so entertaining. Seattle, Washington. Local photographer Wyatt Jones recently decided to switch from shooting in RAW to JPEG format in an effort to spend less time editing images. However, he soon discovered that he was spending even more time explaining his decision to horrified fellow photographers who were developing negative opinions. Quote, I figured JPEGs would be quicker, just shoot and share, end quote, said Jones. But when I told my camera club friends, you'd think I had kicked a puppy. They kept asking me if I had gone insane, end quote. Outraged photographers immediately began cropping up, inundating Jones with reasons why he must shoot raw, white balance adjustments, exposure recovery, the ability to re-edit years later, and most importantly, shadow recovery. Quote, Eric went on a 15-minute diatribe about how shooting JPEG was destroying your creative potential, said Jones. He said that I might as well just be shooting on a Polaroid. But they're my family photos, not the next Avenger movie, end quote. The pleas to switch back to RAW fell on deaf ears. Later, Jones proudly posted a JPEG photo on his photography forum titled The Raw Truth. He hoped his unprocessed image would develop into an interesting discussion. The horrified responses poured in, critiquing the color, noise, and lack of flexibility. Quote, they would have been easily adjustable if you had the raw file, remarked one commenter. I could have recovered at least two or three stops of shadows from the raw data, contributed another. Your children must be so ashamed to be in this picture, <laughs> said one particularly rude commentator. <laughs> After spending four hours defending his artistic choice, Jones finally admitted that perhaps he had acted in haste. The next day, he sheepishly swapped his camera settings back to RAW, hoping to regain positive exposure among his peers. 
but the photography club was still fuming over the debut of Jones's undeveloped JPEG image. They asked him to resign as president and charitably offered to only reduce his membership level from gold to silver status. It's like I had a personal vendetta just because I shot one lousy photo without raw, complained Jones. I thought artists were supposed to be open-minded. All right. So, yes. My gosh. What a, what a great story that is, I have to tell you. I remember I was speaking at a camera club meeting way back when. This was, you know, quite a few years ago. And, you know, RAWs were around, but... You know, memory cards are smaller and storage was more expensive, all that stuff. And I was talking about situations in this camera club uh, talk that I was doing where JPEGs made more sense, like sports shooting, for example, where you have to shoot a bunch of frames. Cameras then wouldn't give you a very good frame rate with RAWs, but very good frame rate with JPEGs. Plus, you got a lot of photos that you're not going to use, all that. So I was sort of delineating, you know, scenarios where jpegs made more sense and raw made more sense and i had three or four of these kind of folks in the audience there and they were just the same they would not they would not back off me at all it was really an interesting talk i have to say so anyway i hope folks in our community are a little bit more open-minded uh, it feels like it based on the conversations that we have on Derek's Story Online with our virtual camera club members and our inner circle members. But wow, I feel sorry for this guy. I've been there myself. I have just one Black Friday note because uh, Black Friday's coming up. I've seen all sorts of stuff. I surveyed all sorts of deals and most of them were okay, but I did see this one deal that I thought was really good. Lowest price I've seen for the Peak Design Carbon Fiber Travel Tripod. Save $180. This one did jump out at me. I have a link to it in the show notes. Photographers looking for a beautifully designed tripod with a great strength to size and weight ratio will appreciate the Carbon Fiber Travel Tripod from Peak Design. We all know about it, believe me architecturally inspired and weighing only 2.8 pounds this innovative tripod reduces folded volume thanks to the legs that store closer together than traditional tripods and if you've ever seen how one folds up it's just like this little cylinder right that you can just like stash anywhere yet it extends to 60 inches i believe lightweight carbon fiber constructor folds down to 15.5 inches Includes soft case, mobile mount hex wrenches, and the mobile mount stores inside the center column. And you can get it on a Black Friday sale that's going right now for $419. That's $180 off the $599 normal list price. $419 for the Peak Design Carbon Fiber Tripod. That, I think, is a good Black Friday deal. Okay, let's take care of a little virtual camera club news. I want to thank our Inner Circle members, the folks that support this community, this podcast month in and month out. A lot of them showed up and signed up for workshops last week. And of course, taking advantage of their 10% discount on all of the workshops. 
We have multiple discussions going on on our Inner Circle site right now, and it's just a joy to hang out with them. If you're interested in becoming an Inner Circle member, hanging out with this great group of artists, all you have to do is click on the Patreon tile that's on all the pages of the digital story, nose around a bit, and hopefully you will join us in 2024. And a big thanks to our Inner Circle members for supporting the show. And finally, I'd like to give a shout out to those great folks over at Red River Paper. These are people who are dedicated to fine art, dedicated to inkjet printing, dedicated to getting your pictures off your computer, off your smartphone, off your tablets, and onto some beautiful fine art paper so you can share it with other people, so you can hang it on the wall, so you can make fine art greeting cards to give to people during the holidays and let them marvel at your photography prowess. Red River Paper can help you move from digital photographer to fine art photographer. If you're interested in learning more about it, they have everything you need to know on their site. Click on the Red River Paper tile that's on all the pages of the digital story. Take a look at the papers they have to offer, the advice they're willing to share, all the knowledge that's available to you to get you up and running with your inkjet printer to make some beautiful art. And a big thanks to Red River Paper for supporting this podcast. All right, it's going to do it for me this week. I hope you enjoyed the show. More great stuff coming next week. Those of you in the U.S. have a fantastic Thanksgiving. I'll see you next Tuesday. Bye-bye now.